Try to imagine all life as you know it stopping instantaneously and every molecule in your body exploding at the speed of light. Total protonic reversal. Protonic reversal. Protonic reversal. With Conan Neutral. There we go. Good morning, everyone. Welcome once again. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the finest show 
You're listening to, at this moment in time, you're listening to the one, the only... Protonic Reversal. That's right, Protonic Reversal. We are here, and we are more or less ready to rumble, do battle with the forces of mediocrity and boredom, and put our best foot forward. As always, good morning, Rena. How are you? I am good. I have had no coffee. Yes. Okay, good. Make sure you mention that in the air. It's very important. We'd like to welcome our, our sponsor, Coffee. <laughs> that is our sponsor, and I have had done. We, we endorse their failing. products fully, <laughs> for whatever that is worth. <clears throat> and uh, we think that uh, you should be looking into that, this coffee business. We hear that uh, it's, it's all the rage with the kids. If anyone wants to bring me some, I do favors. Interesting. Will is that is that going to be in your sign? We'll do favors for coffee. Yes, maybe. <laughs> it's a, you could probably get some bad attention with that. I would say, as well. I I have in the past. <laughs> this is a thing that you've done before, then. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's happened before. Well, we have a great show today. We have uh, Mr. Travis Keller from Buddyhead. I know. I'm really Come excited on. to talk to him. Should he be a seems blast. hilarious. He's a very funny, interesting dude who's done lots of amazing things, and it should be a really, uh, really awesome time. I'm quite looking forward to it. Uh, additionally, we have a pretty interesting big announcement coming up as well, so that'll be the, the before we have Travis on, so stay tuned for that. This is going to be a uh, momentous, I can feel the momentousness. I'm just confused. Surging in my veins right now. You feel momentous. I feel confused. I'm tempted to feel momentous. I'm tempted to feel something. Uh, There is, looks like there's a back issue of Razor Cake and a pipe involved, a couple empty beer bottles. That's always nice things to have around a radio station. Mm -hmm. Certainly more important to worry about that than uh, having the appropriate switches on. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, let's hear a song. Songs? Yeah, Musics? We, like, we like music here, don't we? Music's fun. Do we? I think so. I like Some, music. Most, most of the time I think I like music. I like live music. Well, this is not live, but this is off the new Thought Detecting Machines record uh, that is going to be... We're going to have Rick on by phone. Rick Valentin from The Poster Children. Professor Rick Valentin from The Poster Children. And Thought Detecting Machines is his deal his uh one man band thing really good and we're gonna have him by phone in march i just uh, put that together so that should be that should be a good time but this is brand new this is actually a premiere uh this is not even <clears throat> out yet this is actually going to be out uh later <laughs> so this is this is new day by thoughts detecting machines and hope you like it there we go there's rick enjoy I'm 
go for my know The river will boil and overflow And the houses you're haunting will tremble with temporal hoop-doom I don't know about you But I am hoping I know what it is that I must do Close your eyes when we kiss the paper chase with we know where you sleep off of the record now you're one of us from our great former guest mr john congleton who was our guest on new year's day where we were here and broadcasting while the world either slept it off or uh perhaps made very smug superior-esque statements about what 
people's beverage choices were for early in the morning. Oh, yeah. Screw that guy. Uh, Before that, we had a premiere by Thoughts Detecting Machines. That was New Day. It's great. Thoughts Detecting Machines is fantastic. It is a dude, but it is a dude who is indie rock royalty in my mind. And uh, actually, one of the first people I ever listened to podcast-wise, Radio Zero, uh, Rick Valentin. What constitutes... Excuse me. (laughs) Frog in my throat. We're we're ripping it up here at the... uh, what Radio con- Valencia Studios here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's things. It's early. What constitutes indie rock royalty in your mind? <clears throat> Rick Valentin. Next question. No, that's... that's. Uh, th- he's up at the poster children were paragons of DIY. And, uh, like, for instance, it might be laughable now to think about, but the, they had enhanced CDs, like CDs with enhanced content. They were, like, one of the first bands to do it. They programmed it themselves. They booked all their own tours. They, uh, you know, made all their artwork. They put out their friends' bands in their community, and they also happened to, you know, just make great music on their own terms for the entire time they were a band. Technically, they're still a band. It's just that they, there's a, you know, Rick and Rose are a married couple. They have children, and they're professors. As well, so any one of those things would be an excuse, but there's all those things happening at once. But he also he puts out records under Thoughts Detecting Machines, which are great, and plays shows. He actually played last year at the PRF West, and it was fantastic. He, you know, it's basically a guitar and a briefcase for him to do his thing. But it's it's way more compelling than you would think a guy with a laptop ever could hope to be. It's a it's well, a good, good show, yeah. So yeah, that's so uh, that's thought detecting thoughts detecting machines, which is still very difficult to say. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's that's good stuff. We like that here. I I had stuff prepared, and it's all just flown completely by the wayside. So we're flying by the seat of our pants. Yeah, we're gonna have a uh, gonna have an announcement uh, shortly though, and that'll that'll be good. So I'll tell you what. Why don't we? Do you have anything that you, feel you urgently need to get off your chest in the next two minutes? DJ real time drop. Me getting things off my chest. Yes. Do you have like a an enemies list that you feel like you need to <laughs> put out? I think enemies lists are are secrets, right? Because I mean, you be. don't want people to know that they're your enemies. No. Hold your friends close. Hold your enemies closer. I think that's that's the idea. That's right? Some, that's something. That's a thing that people say. Me. I don't know. I just wish someone would bring me coffee. Okay, well, that well, that won't happen. So, uh, since that's not going to happen, well, since this is an Elven song, this is uh, The Water Glass.
There they are, the Melvins with the water glass. That's off the Bride Scream Murder. Uh, I also refer to that song as the military marching song, which is what it is. But I, I like that they managed to make that musical and Melvins like. Wait, is it? There's there a backstory to that military mar- marching song thing? Uh, more than likely, but it's not really my. Not not since it's not my story. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and, and defer to uh, when we. It's not some historical marching song. It's it's like based off of you know marches and you you have the uh, you get the cadence of of the marching right and right, then right, you, right. You, you you match the chanting with the with the, with the cadence of the marching. Oh, okay. So that that's a whole scenario with that. Well, I get it now. You get it. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. Yeah. Thanks for explaining. I I do what I can. We do what we can here on none other than protonic reversal. On Radio Valencia, and we thank you for joining us. Later on, we're going to have Travis Keller from Buddyhead shortly. Before that, we have a big announcement. Are you ready? Are you ready? I, I'm just curious. Audience, are you ready? Yeah! yeah they're ready. They're definitely ready. That's, they're excited. They're, they're worked up into a frenzy. They had coffee. That's <laughs> down the fourth reference. To where the coffee is billboard. This is my brain in the morning. It's very slow. <laughs> well, it better be able to kick into high gear because you're going to take the reins for this one as I officially 
Terrifying. Step down from the show. Ooh. Oh, I know, I know, I know. To make an announcement, but uh, I'm, I'm, re- I'm resigning the presidency of the show, and you, Brenna, DJ Real Time Drop, as vice president of the show, must take the reins for me to make this announcement. Pushing buttons, taking reins. <laughs> you can take the you can take the reins of the of the soundboard if you want. That's the Game of Thrones theme. I usually play that if something really overwrought is happening. It's it's more than just pushing buttons, Brenna. You you are now the host of the show. And you must conduct it as such. Like Carl Sagan? You must you can get it like Carl Sagan, he feels so inclined. I'm gonna need to practice this. Okay, well practice quick because I'm practicing in my head. You just can't see it. I'm now here as a guest, so uh, we need to we need to move the show along. Or oh. you need to move the show along. Okay, so um, what's this announcement, Conan? All right. So let's see if I can uh, get a... Conan, you're here as my guest. <laughs> yes. And you have a thing to say. I would like you to say it in your most eloquent manner. In my most eloquent manner. I'll, I'll do what I can, Brenna. First of all, I'd like to say thank, thank you for having me on uh, oh, you're your, welcome. Brenna Betts' Protonic Reversal. Uh, it's it's all- great to be. I'm a big fan. Oh, I have fans. I listen every week. Ah, oh, you're so flattering. I think I think you play some great music, and uh, I think I think it's you know, a very worthwhile, worthwhile show, and uh, it's nice. It's nice. Uh, but yes, as you know, I am here. I am here to, I'm here to mention something, to reveal something, if you will, and I'm looking forward to doing so. And we've we've teased this out before. We've mentioned it before. Uh, as you know, I once had a show on Radio Valencia called Protonic Reversal as well, a couple mm-hmm. of minutes ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we, we, I remember that. we enjoy doing that, but there, there are rules about promoting your own stuff, which makes sense. You don't want people just over, you know, promoting their own thing. I don't understand that. I think self-promotion is great. Well, we- that's, then you really enjoy this bit. Uh, but yes, I, I am here for a reason. I, I, I have something to reveal to the world. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. If it has anything to do with breaking glass, I'm going to hurt you. I made a record with Dale Crover from the Melvins. What? Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Delete reaction. Uh, when, when did that happen? Uh, in September. September of this year, uh, this last year, I went down to Los Angeles and had a s- album of songs that I wrote. That I that I enjoyed and stuff happened and stuff happened stuff That's happened how. and I recorded one of the what I feel is the greatest living drummers in rock and roll a uh, album of nine songs called the Enemy of Everyone just you and him uh, Tony from Trophy Wives uh, who's a great band from Louisville that we've played before played bass as well and it is now available to listen to as of about 30 seconds from now. <laughs> as of 30 seconds As of 30 now. seconds from now, it will be available okay. to listen to. Uh, I, I, it's as much... It's as much a... Um, put my heart and soul to it as much as I would of any band that I've ever been in. And uh, I, I think it's it's pretty worthwhile. So it's 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 called Conan Neutron, The Secret Friends is the name of the band. And you have many secret friends, so this title doesn't surprise me. And it's it's called "The Enemy of Everyone" is the name is the name of the record, and you can find it at neutronfriends.bandcamp.com. David Yao from the Jesus Lizard did the artwork, 
Cool. And, uh, which is a high school picture of myself and my recently deceased best friend from high school, Clay, who is pretty much the reason why I play music, uh, who showed up one day with a bass guitar and just said, I bought a bass guitar. You need to buy a guitar and we're going to be a band. Apropos of nothing. No announcements whatsoever, just of any kind, just no preparation. I was like, oh, all right. Sitting over here reading comics. <laughs> but uh, he didn't really stick with it, and he had his own path for sure. But he set me on the path that I'm on, and it was uh, kind of surreal, you know, uh, playing, playing in the same room as one of, one of again, and Melvin's are a band that kind of like helped me through high school. Yeah, and they have a great drummer. Yeah, I, like I said, maybe my favorite drummer of all time, like certainly top three. And uh, yeah, it's kind of a mind blower in, in a very real way. How did you keep the secret for months? That's an excellent question. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. I have no idea. But I wanted to wait until the record was mastered and done and have it spring forth fully formed like a, like a, a demigod or god from Zeus's skull. Oh. And it is, yeah, it's available to listen to on... On Bandcamp, uh, you can also go to NeutronFriends.com, and uh, there's going to be shows. Oh, that's exciting. At some point. No, no more details, details on that right now, but uh, we're going to... There's pre-orders for... I think there's a pre-order thing for CDs. There's going to be a thing for vinyl probably later today as well, but you can get the digital now if you feel so inclined, and that would be a wonderful thing, but it's a, uh, it's a very real thing that I did that I sat on. Yeah, you did. September, October, November, December, January. Five months, which is mostly just me saving up money to master it. <laughs> really. But uh, Toshi Kasai produced it. He did a, you know, he's done a ton of the Melvin stuff. He's done Tool. Um, and Victory and the Associates. Victory and Associates, yes. Uh, great, great, great man, great producer. Uh, and I, I am always, and I mean always, loathe to play stuff that I've done in the presence of others or audibly but I can always turn down the volume for my headphones uh, that we could, we could play a couple of the songs but we have Travis on if you want to did you want to do that? yeah I mean I, I'm pretty sure I can't say no it's your show you can do whatever you want uh, but first of all we had a lengthy conversation in your car I remember when we went to see Cheap Trick mm-hmm. about how you have no your band you know had their last show and you were looking for new creative projects trying to figure out what was what and who was who this was after this incident uh yeah cheap trick was uh that was uh what was that november was that was that december something like that something like that yeah i mean because it was sort of like one of those things where i wasn't really sure what this was like mm-hmm. I wasn't sure if this like, hey, I just made a cool record, and I guess what I got to like write a bunch of songs, prove that I could just write a bunch of songs and arrange them myself, and then make a record out of it and have it be like you know something worth listening to, but also you know rock and roll bucket list item, check, have you know one of my favorite drummers ever. One minute we're sitting there like talking about the Muscle Shoals documentary, and then like okay, you ready to play? Okay, yeah, you know, okay, don't think about what you're doing, don't think about what you're doing, just play, and uh, yeah, there you go. And he had a good time, the drummer? Dale? Oh, yeah. In fact, uh, you know, it was, he it kind of blew me away that, like, one of the first things he said, oh, I really like these songs, by the way. I was, oh. like, I was like, oh, okay. Dale Crover of the Melvins. That's, oh, wow. 
Um, yeah. I hope you didn't make that sound. I did not make that sound. Okay, no, good. But, uh, but I, in, in my mind, I was. When I, when I, I played it real cool. I was, like, I was like, oh, thanks, Dale. Cool. Do you want to go, you know, whatever, do this now, this and that? But, yeah. Uh, and... It was it was kind of a kind of amazing thing and so how did you arrange that just happenstance knowing people sure yeah I mean that's <laughs> I mean that all all those things yes uh, and like I said it just kind of spiraled from being something where I was like okay I like these songs I think I want them to be a record. To being like, oh, I really like these songs. I think I wanted it wanted to be a good record, which means that I, it won't be me programming drums on an iPad. <laughs> that is not. Yeah. That's good for like placeholder stuff, but and it, like it just escalated. That's all it is. It just escalated and escalated. And wow, yeah, cool. there you go. So uh, congratulations. Because I respect the rules of no, you know, self promotion ever possible. This is um, probably the last time we'll directly address it but I, I wanted to get it out there on our show because can we I like play it. the songs is yeah. that considered what do, do you want to do you want to uh, which one do you want which one do you apply I, I tell you what we'll do we have uh, what's your favorite well it's like which one's your favorite child right why, why don't we listen to it's not quite that intense <laughs> not birth this. spoken as a true non-parent <laughs> Uh, let's listen to uh, the bargain is sealed, child of man, and this is a this is Conan Neutron and the Secret Friends. Cool. Yeah, I could I could have guessed your sure show. I could have made you do that, huh? Yeah, I mean, but I this but is you don't, yeah. news to me. I know nothing of this until now. Well, here Surprise. it goes.
That was Casually Intense by Conan Neutron and the Secret Friends. Yeah. Yeah. It was. I made that. You did that. <laughs> that was me. I did that. Your face is so so cute and happy oh, right now. It's so great to finally get that off your <laughs> chest. I know. I've been like sitting on this for like forever. I can't believe we didn't <laughs> tell anybody. And before that was a bargain is sealed child of man. And that is, uh, those are the, uh, I actually think those are the first two, the first two songs on uh, The Enemy of Everyone. So you can get that, you can get that at NeutronFriends.com and uh, NeutronFriends.BandCamp.com and there's CDs and vinyl and uh, and all that stuff. So listen to that. So how did you come up with that name, Mr. Neutron? Well. Secret friends are uh, has two meanings, right? So there's secret friends that's it's like it's a high school thing. It's like there's there's the popular kids that like they'll be friends with you, but oh, you got to be secret friends, right? So that <laughs> that you you can't be friends in public. You can't uh, be seen walking the halls together, but they'll hang out like after school because they think you're like the cool deviant that you know listens to the good records. And mm-hmm. then uh, the other part of that is that it's. None of none of the three of us, Tony from Trophy Wives, myself, or Mr. Gil Grover of the Melvins, had ever played in the same room together at the same time until we started playing and recording the album. We had to listen to them, you know, through the miracle of technology and and, and whatnot. But uh, but I knew that like okay, everyone here is awesome, and everyone's going to be like buddies after this is done in the in the way that a band can bond people together. In a, in, yeah, in the, stuck in, the in a room for hours on end, right. trying to figure it out. And uh, ultimately, it was it was something that, you know, I guess to a certain degree, it's me leaning into <laughs> the controversialization of Conan Neutron a little bit too. That I'm like, all right, fine, I'm going to slap my name on it and just I'm going to do that. I'm going to write these songs, and but I'm going to much like the Beatles and Joe Cocker need a little help from my friends. <laughs> wow, and, you went there. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> do what I can, mm-hmm. and and there you go. That's the that, that's. That's the thing. So, uh, cool. Yeah. That's cool. Pretty, pretty, pretty neat, I think. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of a trip. <laughs> it's pretty neat. I'm just amazed you didn't tell anybody for five months. Yeah. You know what? Me too. <laughs> here's, here's a song by Foreigner Blows to come back. Love. Travis Keller from Buddyhead. And we will, we will get, uh, we will get awesome with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, sounds, sounds like a, it'll be a good time to me. If you, I, 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 I should know. <laughs> I should know.
So that's Four and a Blows with The Average Guy. That is a, a great tune. Uh, that is one that is, a, is much much loved by, by a certain person we have on the phone right now. Uh, on the phone, joining us, and we are stoked for it, it is uh, Mr. Travis Keller of Buddyhead. Hey, Travis. How's it going? That, that one will wake you up, huh? <laughs> yeah, that one will definitely wake you up. And we have, a, we have the studio audience here that are they're waking up as well. Lots of Buddyhead fans up in the mix. Appreciate you doing it, man. I know you're you're not much of a morning guy as a, a sort of soul of rock and roll kind of kind of dude. Uh, it's just hard for me to get up early, but uh, I pulled it off this morning. Luckily, there was that moment where I could have gone back to sleep, and I didn't somehow. So yeah, I looked out. I'm awake. I'm awake. I'm drinking coffee. I'll, I'll be a little more awake here in about five minutes. Yeah, that's uh, that's kind of how I feel every week we do this show. That like I wake up, I'm like, well, I could just stay asleep, and that would be pretty cool. Yeah, I feel like sometimes it's like involuntary, though. You know, it's like I'm meant to get up. Fuck. Yeah. Just not good in the morning. I just don't know what happened. So at at some point, uh, you know, you 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 end up like, uh, all right, this is happening. But. Yeah, no, no. I'm I'm excited. I woke up though. I found out I got paid. So well, that's a, that, that's a nice thing to wake up to. Yeah, most definitely. Today's the best day I've had in a while. So I'm, I'm glad I I'm glad you guys woke me up. What's so What's up with you guys? Yeah. So we've uh, well, <laughs> if you were listening, Conan a just, lot. <laughs> Conan just announced. Well, I I got plenty of time. So let me know. <laughs> he just announced that he recorded a record with the drummer of the Melvins. I did. Yes. That's a big fucking deal, man. What's it called? It's called it's called Conan Neutron and the Secret Friends, and the record is called The Enemy of Everyone. And I I did that in secret in September and didn't tell anyone for five months. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, Would you do that in LA with Dale or where? Yeah. So Dale uh, played drums on it, and my buddy Tony from Trophy Wives, who are uh, a great band from Louisville, Kentucky, he's playing Coliseum too, played bass. Oh and- wow. And um, they're from Louisville, right? Yeah, yeah, Louisville, Kentucky. And uh, Toshi he actually slept on their floor more than once. Oh man, small world. I think so. I think so. Pretty sure. Don't quote me on that. But, yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll definitely quote you on that. Don't worry. The and, right. and then uh, Toshi, who uh, produces all the Melvin stuff these days, and has done like you know Tool and and, and such. You know, he, did he you ever call Reed What's that? What was the studio called to do that? Sound of Sirens, which is this crazy uh, kind of like there's like a chop chop shops and stuff around, like it's a whole scene, like it's. A, but they have that's like where the Melvins recorded, and 
uh, practice these days, and they have like the studios sort of built into the um, into this crazy like like normally you'd have like a bay that you work on cars and such, right? But you know they've got all this uh, all this recording equipment, and it's just this badass so that's, array that's, of guitars that's and amps. Los Angeles, you know, you'll have like a mansion mansion on one street, and then the next street over there's like a bunch of apartments that are just kind of slummy. You know, right, what I mean, right. I think that's like every studio. Like Joe from the Eggersline has a studio in Burbank, and his neighbors is like a mechanic and the other guy like collects washing machines or something. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really surreal because it's just like, you know, so this is this park that's like it's this park of buildings and like, okay, what's in this one? All yeah. right, this one's a guy like... kind of like an L.A. thing. It's just, I don't think anything's planned at all, you know? It's just like a shit show. Yeah. And that's, so that we did that in Sun Valley. That's uh, there at the Melvin's place and uh, Toshi's place. Oh, yeah. cool. It was the middle of a heat wave. Shit, man. I'll, I'll send. I'll send it your way, my friend. I'll send it my way. But we're not, enough about me. Enough about me. I had my time. I, I'm back to being host of this show, and you are the guest, sir. So I want to. I want to hear about you. I, I, dude, I've been a fan for a long time of your stuff. I, I would go as far as to say that uh, Buddy had started to find culture to a lot of critical thinking individuals for uh, most of the. Yeah, 2000s and whatnot. I think. I think you kind of created a very bizarre. Empire that I'm sure you can't deposit in the bank, but gets you lots of credibility and lots of, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, fuzzies. It's been a while since I have. This morning I did, though. That's what I woke up to. I yeah, that's nice. Being myself for the first time. I was kind of just trying to, started to figure out how to get paid for it again. I got paid for it for a while. And then I, I've always been so close to it because it's like, you know, I, I've always kind of been the center. It's been me and like a group of my friends, and it's kind of just like, what we do you know it wasn't like it was ever really planned like hey we need to start a label it was just you know we promoted shows my friends were in a band they had extra songs so we put out a seven inch you know it was like it's always just kind of been like part of my life so it's hard it's when you when you say shit like that that's like a big that's like i kind of forget that that it like means something to other people aside from because i've always been kind of selfish with it like i'll not update it for three years or like you know like i went on tour with under shells for three years and updated it like once a year so, um, yeah, I've always been kind of selfish about it, but lately I've been trying to uh, keep it steady and, and kind of, I've kind of, like, realized how important it is to other people, too. Like, people have said things like that to me, you know, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot, like, people used to like the site. Like, that's cool. <laughs> well, I, I'd almost liken it to, uh, do you remember in The Muppet Show, the, the Waldorf and Statler, the two old dude characters who sit there and talk trash in, in the back of the theater about everything? <laughs> you, know, you know what's really funny? You know what's really funny is, like, one of my jobs for the longest time is I worked for Golden Voice and I used to DJ at in between bands at shows it was great because like it's not like DJ in a bar like, you can play whatever they want and they won't leave you know so you can like berate them kind of but at the Fonda in LA there's like a balcony up there and I used to sit up there with my friends and the people from Golden Voice for years I didn't know this called us like the two Muppet dudes <laughs> <laughs> it's like, wow it's like a it's like a it's like an incove you know like right, right. like it's up high so you're like kind of up there and no one can talk to you and you're, you look like the two dudes in the Muppet show <laughs> but it was like I think four years into the job someone told me that that's what they called us and I was like oh, that's pretty fucking funny that sucks you know <laughs> yeah that's kind of that's pretty dead on actually too I mean because it's like I, I feel like yeah you established pretty early on, and also I like to say that I, I think it's it works well. Like for me, I, I would put it as this: that 
you know, much like with Fugazi, you wouldn't necessarily hear from them like every year, but when you would be like, oh, cool, new Fugazi record. It's like on that same level with the, you know, (laughs) rock and roll gossip and trash talk. It was like that with Buddyhead (laughs) that there may not be an update for like a a year and a half or two years, but if there is, like, oh man, I got to look at it right now. Like, what is that? What what happened? What what are they up to? Like, what's, what are they fading on? That's awesome you say that because that's kind of like what we always wanted it to be. Like, it was like, well, we'll just have a site where it's like, like, say me and my friend are driving to Taco Bell or the airport or wherever, you know, and it's like, you know, we're talking about the new Fugazi record. It's like, if it sucks, you would just tell your friend it sucks. So that was, like, kind of like the basis of the site. It would be like, you know, that friend you didn't have, you know, <laughs> or like that, you know, or it's like a friend you have, you know, whatever, that, like, you know, kind of gives you the real on everything, you know, kind of. No, totally. Without and, the bullshit. And I think that, uh, no, I don't just think, I know that, uh, I mean, the internet now, like, people take it for granted that you can just have, like, you know, friends with strong opinions that seek out cool stuff or just there to, you know, have a funny take on, like, something that's, like, a, a an event that's happening. The, people kind of take it for granted that's just, like, the way it is now, but it's not always been that way. Yeah, well, it was before everyone had, like, their own, you know, it was, like, started in 98, so it was, like, before anyone had like their own Facebook or Twitter no no one else had a voice really so if you didn't know how to make websites which I, it was pretty rare you did like out of all my friends I was the only one that knew how you know, right. I just happened to know really early because I was on the internet really young and there was barely any websites that were about music there was like you know maybe a couple like Pitchfork and like one other one you know it was like it was pretty sparse and there was no one really saying it was like free Perez Hilton, even. You know? Right, so there was, was nobody like, saying things in the in kind of in the voice that you were were saying. Yeah, in, and it was, we just couldn't believe it because at the time, by the time Buddy had finally got some readers, it was probably like two thousand, you know, ninety nine, two thousand. And by that point, Limp Bizkit was like the biggest band in the world. Like <laughs> everything I read was like, you know, kissing their ass, and I'm like, this is like a Saturday Night parody. Like, it's like, how is this not and and that was what was cool about it is when we like wrote that and you know it was like oh wow there's kids like us everywhere so yeah. it was like and then when we started touring it was like well sometimes it was kind of scary sometimes they were freaks but you know like when we <laughs> right. started touring we got to meet all those people and we met like a lot of cool people you know like you know we always had the, it was like no matter what town we were in we were home you know it was like we had like the local people to kind of show us like you know like didn't matter if we were in berlin or wherever that was what was kind of cool about buddy hit is it it kind of created its own scene in a weird way, you know. Like um, it became like almost like Fight we, Club or something, where it was like a secret, like known thing that you. Yeah, because I mean, I was friends with the Agerslein, who are if you've ever heard of them. Or, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I love them. I like them a lot. They're a fucking weird band. They kind of, you know, they came out of this kind of a scene, like a punk scene, but they were just so weird that we, the Buddyhead scene, kind of became their scene because it was what we just kind of created ourselves from from the website and stuff like that, which was kind of cool because they were. They were kind of a odd, odd band out, you know. Yeah, definitely, and and, and it's like so harkening back to like what you said earlier. It's like we we live in an era now where, well, I'm, I deactivated now. But when I was on Facebook, I remember at one point there was a. Uh, you know, there, there was some thread I had going where the drummer from Neurosis and my dad were talking about hardware together, and it's like, wow, this is like a this is a crazy freaking world that, and they're having this genuine like, oh no, these guys both know about hardware, and they're talking about their experiences of the hardware. But these two people would never meet in real. And there there was a time when that wasn't the case, where it was sort of like if you wanted to find a commonality of interest in a community, and I'm sure maybe like your younger fans maybe maybe don't even know this, but it was weird. It was sort of like oh my god, there's. There's this thing, and it's it's they're talking about the same stuff that we talk about when we're talking trash at a show, or you know, like they they check this out. You gotta gotta, and it's it's 
weird because that type of discovery is completely different now. So it's, uh, but it almost seemed at the time like, yeah, like Fight Club or something where people just know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it kind of it kind of became that way. It was like it, it, it was funny, like like when it was kind of like exploding because it was at first it was like, well, all our friends read this, and it was like, well, all the bands we're playing shows with know know what this is, and then it was like. Oh whoa! These new bands are playing shows with know what it is, and then it was like, whoa, bands we've never heard of are reading our site, and then it was like, oh, basically everyone that works in the music industry was like reading it because then, there wasn't know, like, really anything that spoke in like in I that mean, way. Like, I mean, like Gideon Diego like wore a T-shirt all the time on the MTV News, like that was a trip. You know, right. it was like, whoa, this kid, and then we became friends with him, and he was really cool. Like we met him at shows and stuff, but but yeah, it was it was it was kind of became like that thing for a while. Like you worked in the music industry, like. Which was great for us because then they all emailed us and we got free records like Salmon <laughs> like, Amoeba, which is the best reason to do a show. Like, <laughs> we go to Columbia Records and get like literally hit up like three different A and R people and get like you know just crates of records and take them to Amoeba and sell them and get like a couple grand actually like, in cash. <laughs> wow. like, it was like oh, I'll take like the whole Bob Dylan discography like four <laughs> times over. Thank you. Like it was before you know they stopped giving free records out. It was like. When the, the cash cow was still kicking, like it was like right. towards, you know, the death rattle. We got in the death, the death rattle. You know? Yeah, you got it's in on the last bit of that. Shit. You capitalized on that before that became a moot point. Yeah, when you're like starving in 22, you know, and you're like, you know, living on your own, like free lunches at like on a corporate card and like some free records is like, I'm on the right path, you know? Like, <laughs> you're doing something right, for sure. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, all right, free lunches. I'm into this. So, how, like, how about... I'll, I'll talk to you about Slipknot, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, how, yeah, what was what was that adjustment period like? Because it definitely, you guys, because uh, it was definitely uh, approached as, like, a, an outsider thing, for sure, and has an outsider voice, but it was well-beloved uh, by insiders just because of the just very honest opinions of things and... You know, the stuff yeah. you would represent would be things like Shat, not necessarily like I something mean, like Slipknot, you know? Like, I, mean, I, thought, I always I thought mean, that was fascinating. Time, like, the whole time, it was, it was pretty bizarre. I mean, and to be honest, we weren't really equipped to deal with it very well. I mean, we were offered, like, millions of dollars. Like, one offer was, like, $12 million for a website. And, and at the time, we just didn't have anyone around us to, like, be like, you should probably take that and, you know, save it. <laughs> you know, it's like that. Right. Like, we were just like, we're punk, and if it's worth this now, it'll be worth twice this in 10 years. <laughs> you know, like, you know, we were just like young kids. That like, you know, first, we didn't trust them that well. And secondly, I'd probably be dead if I had that much money. You yeah, know, so it's like, yeah. it's probably a good thing. But we just didn't really have the people around us telling us. I mean, the whole time we were like, this is, we're like, this is insane that this, we're here, you know, or that people care what we think, kind of. Like, the whole thing was kind of a bizarre, hilarious ride, like, I mean, the whole thing, you know, we were we, we were laughing. The whole thing was to, you know, not only to illuminate art that normally wouldn't be illuminated, but to make ourselves laugh, you know. That's, like, the whole thing with Buddy Head. Well, and I think that that's one of the reasons why I think it connected with so many people, too, is it did have that element of, of humor and the, uh, you know, the, the, a reverent sort of attitude that, I mean, it certainly was an appeal for me because it definitely, I mean, the time that, but he had came around. It was sort of like it was kind of dour times. I mean, not that like they're any better now, I suppose. But like it's, it's as far as where I was at in the headspace, I was like, uh, everything's pretty terrible right now, isn't it? And so it was nice to have something where it's like, oh, here's here's these guys goofing on Fred Durst and uh, you know <laughs> talking about like weird it, issues. It was a dire time because if you go back, it was like the '90s were fucking rad. I right. Mean, at least for me, even like the shitty stuff now, like 
sounds better than most stuff now. Like, you just spin doctors fucking house fucking Ariana Grande as far as I'm concerned, you know? <laughs> right, like, totally, totally. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And then, and then Kurt died, so it was like post-Kurt, you know? It was like shit like puddle of mud were allowed to happen, you know? But, I mean, and that sounds super cheesy, but that's like kind of one of the people, like, when I was growing up, it was like Kurt Cobain would be like, you know, you'd check out what shirts he was wearing. It was like, oh, Daniel Johnson, who the fuck is that? Right, and, and, and you would find these Robert, records you know? because of that. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, and he was always, too, kind of like the, the police a little bit, you know, to a certain extent where he's like, Pearl Jam or fuck rain, you know? <laughs> so, right. You know, like, he was always, that was kind of like what I grew up on. And just punk rock, like reading Please Kill Me and stuff, and and punk magazine and like Lester Bangs and stuff. That was like kind of like where we came from, that no, whole I, world. So it, it wasn't like strange to us to do that because we just thought that was like what rock and roll was. And then when people right. were like, "Why are you guys talking shit?" It was like because we're right, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, are we wrong? No. <laughs> we're well, twenty-two and we know everything. Right. <laughs> right. No, and that's very much uh, that, and that definitely resonated with me too because I'm the same sort of way you know my sort of my, my gateway into the world of, of music that kind of encompasses my existence came from listening to bands like Nirvana and that led me to like you know Buttle Surfers and like Black Flag and Big Black and Jesus Lizard and, and such and you know it was it was it was just weird to think about that like the, the entirety of music wasn't available at the click then you know you had to kind of find out about no, it in weird ways I was talking to my friend about this the other day like I mean, I love him now, but I heard the name, the Jesus and Mary Chain, for probably a decade before I heard him. Right, totally. And I had this, yeah. like, idea of what they sounded like. You know what I mean? And right. then it was like, because you, it was such, like, you had to, like, find a record store, get down there, have money, buy a record, and then just gamble it wasn't going to suck. You right. Know? It was like, because you'd buy shit and be like, Oh, I'm um, not really into Primus, actually. Right, right. You know, like, or better yet, it was like the, the trial and error shit. The days of like BMG and Columbia House, uh, you know, the 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 record club, which were total scams, anyway. And you would be oh, like, I, well, I, I I worked those until I was 18 because they couldn't do anything. Right. I would sign up for like three of those a week. That's how I got most of my records. <laughs> I'm serious. Like that's I I like just saw one of those things in an old Rolling Stone, and I was like, I got like happy about it i was like forgot how much i ripped you guys off you know it was like <laughs> right up until i was fucking 18 i fucking did that shit I, I have a theory that that's the sole reason why sponge sold as many cds as they did is because of those record those record clubs because it's like you get like whatever the 10 record and then like you're like well i got this one this one this one well i got three more uh huh all right. You're like, I guess I'm picking grunge truck. Fuck, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Candlebox, you're up. <laughs> yeah, Candlebox. Pretty sure I had that record. Actually, that's the second Candlebox reference on the show in a month, isn't it? Yeah, I'm blowing it is. them up. I gotta watch what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, you, it's all you too. <laughs> God. But I mean, literally, like, there was only so many good records you could pick. You had to like get one of those eventually. It was like, right, just the way. I'd, I'd really like to see the stats though on how many kids ripped off Columbia House in the '90s. Oh, it's gotta be insane. It's gotta be just like I mean, they, they must have just not made like any money at all. There must be like the one guy that was like playing it legit, like the one kid in like Poughkeepsie. <laughs> Right. been there. <laughs> <laughs> and like everyone else was just, yeah, like signing up under assumed names, you know, see more butts. Oh, yeah. I had like, it was like literally every week I felt like I did it. It was all the time. And yeah. then you'd get lucky because usually it was like 11 for a penny and then there'd be those ones that was like 30 for a penny. <laughs> you'd be like, jackpot. <laughs> Soup dragons, here we come. Soup dragons. <laughs> 
for like a free XL like stone steel wheels tour shirt you're like fuck yeah <laughs> steel wheels <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's like a real thing really wrong when I was in high school I think <laughs> steel, steel wheels god like, damn it wasn't really sure who they were yet you know like, right right oh, I'm pretty old dudes that dance with David Bowie <laughs> <laughs> right totally it's like way before you've heard like Exile on Main Street or anything my first introduction was like dance in the street with Jagger like, this is weird <laughs> what, <laughs> what an introduction! That's a really weird introduction. Yeah, you know, like the fucking solo, like disco era. You're like, this is not what I thought it was going to be. I heard this was rock and roll, and this is just—I feel weird watching this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're really excited to be around each other. <laughs> Oh, snap. I love that video. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's pretty bizarre. It's ridiculous. Don't you just want to like meet someone that worked on it and be like, dude, you're like, what, what was going on backstage? <laughs> you're like, yes. well, they shared a trailer. <laughs> they put each other's makeup on. Yeah, and uh, the re- the rest we can't speak to authoritatively, but there are rumors. I've got a lot of questions if we ever meet anyone that works on that video. I, I, I'll tell you what, if 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 we ever do, I, I will I will place the call and we will make those questions happen. At least they're having fun. <laughs> oh, they were definitely having fun. That's, they were having the fun. They were they were having the fun. Dude, I've more. never been that excited about anything <laughs> <laughs> like ever. Totally. Totally, totally. I'm jealous. (laughs) I know. That's why I love that video because it makes you wonder, like, what what the, what the, what's, what's, what's happening here? (laughs) Why don't I get that excited? (laughs) How are you that stoked? (laughs) What's wrong with my life? I'm doing something wrong. So I I know that uh, having nothing to do with the Dancing in the Streets (laughs) video. I'm sorry, but uh, sorry, sorry, I went there. No, I'm not sorry at all. Sorry, not sorry. Because uh, you mentioned uh, being a, a fellow dude who you know, got into Nirvana and such. I, I know you also kind of got you got into Oasis as well. And there's some there's some pretty good. There was a yeah, that was, pre- like, that was after that. That was like kind of the next band that was around. I think it was like you know because I was like what seventeen in ninety four. Yeah, seventeen. No wait, fuck. How old was I in ninety four? Sixteen ninety four. Okay. I was like, you know, still kind of dependent. You know, I'm like kind of into punk. You know, I was really into like Estrus Records because that was like yeah. kind of around. That was like uh, the first band I ever saw was The Makers. And I snuck into a bar. I was like 15, snuck into a bar in Spokane. And like first song plays, I'm like, this is rad. The singer, if you've ever seen it, looks like Prince, by the way. Takes a bottle, breaks it over a dude's house, head, bar fight breaks out. And I'm like, whoa, this is what goes on, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, this, this is a crazy setup, so, yeah. Like, I was, like, sold, like, first show, you know, I'm like, I'm into this, this is rad, little guy that looks like he's gay, is, like, kicking everyone's ass, you know, this is, like, the show lasted, like, a minute and a half, but, yeah, I was really into Estes Record just because they were, like, around that area, I was really into Mud Honey, really into, like, Riot Girl stuff, which is, because I was, like, the only dude at any show, I, like, saw, like, Bikini Kill, was super into that right. shit. Right, um, awesome. Even, like, Sleater Keeney and stuff, which I don't really like now, but at the time, I was really into it, and, uh... Uh, what else? Yeah, and then, like, kind of like Oasis was, like, kind of like the only band that you would... Because they weren't really on the radio yet. It was, like, the first record, so it was, like, kind of like the Sex Pistols, but, like, it was still, like, kind of punk, it seemed. And then, you know, just, like, all the songs are about, like, I want to live forever and, like, you know, all that shit. It, just, it was, like, very... Uh, up, it just made you... Like, for me, Oasis is, like, it's kind of cheesy and shit, and sure, they, like, you know, steal a lot of riffs and stuff, but, like, 
it's just all about kind of like enjoying yourself and like enjoying life and I don't know it's kind of the same reason I listen to some like hip hop just because it like makes you feel good you know it's just like not that smart but like you know it's rock and roll you know you don't use the top head you use the other head you know it's yeah like, yeah you're still it, it's passable you know I, yeah I like the way it's really, you know it's like nostalgic for me too you're still getting something out of it, isn't even if it's necessary. Like you know, it's not going to be the same sort of experience as if you're listening to, you know, like the Melvins or something. You know, it's like you're getting something yeah, completely different out of it. Funny. Like I would go on tours like the Iggers Line and like being like, especially in like the late '90s, like after Oasis was big, like like after like Be Here Now came out and like you know they kind of lost popularity. Like by like the fourth record, we'd tour in the UK and like I'd be on tour with the Iggers Line, so we'd play playing like you know, punk venues like the Vera Project or wherever. Yeah. And like the kids that would come to the show, you know, there'd be fans of like the Melvin Judas Blizzards and they'd be like, Wait, you like a racist too? And they'd just be like, oh, <laughs> because like over there it's like, you know, they're like pub rock, you know, it's like the dick at the beats you up that you know, sits at the pub all day. Right. like, you know, that's his favorite band like that and soccer, that's all he likes, you know? So it's like I get it. But yeah, they're like, like me. Oasis, man. They're also music for I people like that don't like music as well. But it's like that isn't exclusively what that's they what are. I mean. like, but... That's why they don't like. I get why they don't like it. Like I probably wouldn't like it either if I grew up there. But thank God I didn't. Well, you know, and, trousers too. Right, and you and you wrote that uh, that really cool. <laughs> <laughs> you wrote that really cool article uh, for Vice about that that like night you spent like basically hanging out with them and. Uh, Oh, yeah, that was funny, because they actually were like, hey, can we get you to write an article as your opinion on Oasis as an American? And I was like, fuck, I don't want to do that. But they wanted to pay me, like, a lot of money. I, <laughs> I do want that money, though. <laughs> like, I thought it was a good when it was an American, but then they said towns, and I was like, oh, totally down. So then I just gave them that story, and they were like, this isn't what we asked for. So I had to add, like, a paragraph about, like... <laughs> how I got into them, and then they were like cool with it. So I was pretty stoked because I like totally didn't listen to the rules. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I've been working on this book. I got a, a book deal um, with the same publisher that does uh, does Permanent Midnight, um, um, which is one of my favorite books. It's Jerry Stahl's book, and they're called Rare Bird Lit. So I've been writing this book. It's just kind of like stories I have being on tour and. You know, just meeting people in bands, and the Oasis was one of them. So I kind of like modified it to see, just to kind of see if people would care about it or not, just to, like put it out there, you know. And I was like, sure, kind of stoked on the response because people were like, "Well, it's really cool." And I was like, "No, oh, that one's like kind of shitty compared to the other one, so that's cool," you know. So it was kind of like just me testing the waters because I've been working on this book for a while, and it's, it's kind of like different than anything I've ever done before. So I mean, it's a lot less dick jokes, you know. So right. It's a little more, uh, <laughs> little more yeah, serious in that way. Not, not to, not to, no, not to say that it's serious, because it's not. It's just, it's just a different style. It's just like, hey, this is what happens, as opposed to like, you know, here's the punchline, and you know. Yeah, taking the piss different. out of stuff. Right, exactly. No, and that's yeah, just kind of like if we're at a party and I'm telling you a good story about, like, you know, smoking a joint with the dude at Neil Young's house. You know, it's like, oh, it's a good story. You're at Neil Young's house. Got it, you know? <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I think people will care. But, uh, but yeah, it was just, it was cool to get some feedback. And, and uh, yeah, that was, it was, I was really exciting, actually, for me. I was like, that's cool people like that. That's rad. No, and it was, it was pretty interesting just because, I mean, I, I'm, you know, I, I was, I was never, never really that into Oasis, but of course, I, I know them. Yeah, I, I know. Of course, I know the legend as I'm not dead, and I was aware of things when uh, you know they're uh, around as a band. And I know like all the stories and stuff, but it always seems like they'd be interesting characters to 
do exactly what you did with you know it's like basically take over the stereo at a what was it whose house was it it was a uh um, uh when you guys took over the stereo at a who was it the the oh we went to Mickey from Marine Five's house and uh yeah we just kind of went through his vinyl picked out like the three good records and started like he, he was funny he was like playing uh Grand Parsons, which I, which I love. Yeah. I Black Crows shows it on. And then it was just, like, not the right vibe, and we were like, well, so we, like, took it off halfway, and it was, like, Handler tried to, like, stop us, you know, because, like, a dude with him. <laughs> and we were like, whatever, bro. Like, put on the Stone Roses, and, like, everyone from Oasis was just like, oh, my God, you know, it was like, they all just, like, doing this. So, like, Ian Brown dance, you know, because it was, like, 4 o'clock in the morning, oh, everyone right. was pretty drunk, you know. Right. It was like, it didn't take much to, like, turn the party on. It was like, no, this is going to work, trust me. You know, <laughs> <laughs> come on, Maroon Five, trust us. <laughs> I, I've, I've read about these guys before. I know they're like it's gonna, it's gonna work. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I think that's awesome. Yeah. It, it, that's a that's a great rock and roll moment. You know, that's like it's a very you know, it's not necessarily the the climax of the yeah, movie sort of moment. Like but. after that, we had like clearance too. You know, it was like we were good to go after that. You know, no one no one questioned us after that. So it was great. <laughs> <laughs> And so that interaction, you know, that seemed like that, like, went okay with the Maroon 5 dude. But, uh, you know, it seems like there definitely were times that, I don't know, I wouldn't say I was necessarily worried for you, but, like, there's, you know, when you got some of these beefs going with some sort of bigger, you know, people with lots of oh, power. Oh, yeah, there was times where, where I got, where, I mean, I got punched in the face, like, let's see, eight times by Skinhead Rob, the dude who's, like, the, the rapper guy from the transplants. Oh, man. That's scary. Yeah, like, I went to, because I'm friends with Matt Skiba. Like, we've been friends for a long time. And he was playing, like, he happened to be in town, because he, he lives in LA now, but this is, like, whatever, like, eight, ten years ago. He was still in Oakland or wherever he was, and he was down for the Plea for Peace show. Go mm. figure. Right. So I go down there to say hi, and, like, I come out from saying hi to him, and this dude is with this other, like, he's this massive, like, huge guy with bald head, tattoos on his head. And the dude he's wearing is wearing a mad ball shirt. And I'm like, okay, New York hardcore, tough guys. This right. is going to suck. And they're like, are you Travis from Buddyhood? And I was like, yeah. And they just like hit me eight times in the face. And I was oh. like, I'm not going to fight you. Like, what's the best case scenario? You know, like I win and the next show I go to, three guys beat me up. But the funny part, it was it was all because someone else at Buddyhood wrote literally verbatim, good Charlotte sucks. And they were like mad about it. And that so was the like, reason why? Got, wow. Like, yeah, it wasn't even, like, anything I was, like, proud of, or I was like, I didn't even write that, and, like, it's true. It's like, <laughs> like, like, and then, the, dude, this is a crazy story. Actually, I've already told this one, but I'll tell a short version of this. And then, like, weeks later, I was at Swinger's Diner. It's, like, a diner everyone goes to. And the dude, and Rob, came up behind me and held a fork in my neck and was like, we're going outside to fight. And Michael Rappaport saved me. He, like, jumped up and was like, if you want to fight him, you got to fight me. Whoa! Michael Rappaport It was like really crazy And then I ate ate lunch with Michael Rappaport He was like rad (laughs) He like saved me from getting my ass kicked He's uh, a He, that guy seems like a really cool dude. He was actually like I, I wasn't super stoked on that last season of Justified, except for Alicia Witt, yeah. who was completely gorgeous and a yeah, great actress. But he was great in it. Documentaries rad though. Yeah, yeah, that's he, totally. Yeah, he's 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 done. He seems like a really good dude. Like just like I I've gotten that impression off of him. No, we yeah, have like, I, I'm a fan now. And he's apparently the voice of uh, a squirt in the Pound Puppies TV series, which <laughs> I was not aware of, according to IMDb. I wasn't yeah. aware there was a Pound Puppies like, TV series, by the way. Go ahead. 
Why do you know that? I, IMDb, man. Oh, okay, okay. I was like, wow, you know that. No. <laughs> I know lots of useless stuff, but that is not something I know off the top of my head. Yeah, I know shit that's like equal to that. So I was, you know, I was like, wow, okay. I mean, I, I, I do have the world's third most popular Pound Puppies fan site. Oh, but. To, to go back, not to cut you off, but to go back to your question. And then Please the, do. only the other time that popped in my head that was like scary was like. There was like all this back and forth between us and Fred Durst, like in like these British right. magazines, like Enemy and Kerrang and stuff like that. And he did an interview where he said like he hired people to kill us. Oh. And we were like for like a couple weeks, we were like, let's not like go out to shows or like. <laughs> yeah, that's you know, like, that's some serious like, business. Like, you know, it was like, but then like after like a couple weeks, it's like she's not gonna kill us, like you know. But like, <laughs> You know, like, maybe you will. I don't know. <laughs> but, but, yeah, I mean, there was a couple of times where it was, like, people would say shit, like, oh, we're going to, you know, get someone to beat you up. But I only got hit a couple of times, really, like, considering how much shit we talked. It was, I came out, I came out pretty unscathed. Relatively so, yeah. But it always seemed like I was the one everyone wanted to punch, though, even if I didn't write it. So, <laughs> I don't know what that says. I don't know, like, the, 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 that's the thing. I don't think I ever got punched for anything I wrote. I think I only got punched for things other people wrote, actually, yeah. That's, which is kind of ironic. Yeah, that's kind of messed up. But, you know, that's what happens when you're, the, I guess, the figurehead of a of a thing. Yeah, I'm sure I got some credit I didn't deserve at some point, so it balances out. It balances out. Maybe not with punches, but it balances out. <laughs> I, it, gets, yeah, it, it sure. definitely seemed like, yeah, with with all of the, the Fred Durst back, back and forth, it's like he was just so clearly outclassed, like so clearly out of his depth, but just didn't seem to want to admit it. Like, he kept trying to, like, engage you guys on, uh, like, not on your level, but just trying to engage you guys in the ways that were just like, dude, it's, it's, come on. Just, come on. Really? Cut that out. You're going to kill yeah, us? Yeah, it was like, even, like, when he said he was going to kill us, it was like, I think we were like, oh, I guess we were wrong about you being a stakehead, you know? <laughs> 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 it, was like, it was like, oh, wow, you're playing into exactly what we said you are, you know, some hick from Florida that just wants to beat people up, you know, yep. it was like, aha, you know? But um, one one funny thing I can say, say so like so like after all this Fred Durst stuff, this is like you know years later, like maybe like two thousand eight, two thousand seven, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, my friend played guitar in Ice Nails, so I kind of became friends with that whole world, which is really weird. Like I became friends with like every goth band you can ever imagine, like Marilyn Manson, Tool, Perfect Circle. Like I know all those people for some reason, right? Not like I'm meeting like, you know, bands I'm really into. It's like this whole goth world opens up for me, right? So I end up moving into Danny Loner's house. He's the guy that uh, played guitar on like Downward Spiral and like sure, yeah, yeah. Perfect Drug. Like he was in the Iron Man Nails. And, uh, and so I move in with him. And the first night I'm moving in, like I'm, I have my own entrance and I'm moving all my stuff in. And then I go upstairs to be like, hey, I moved in. And I walk up and he's at a table like in his balcony. And it's him. The dude Monkey from Corn, Ross Robinson, who produced Limp Biscuit's first record and Corn's first record, and Wes Borland. And I'm like, man, <laughs> no, all you guys. Like, it, was like, it was like, if this isn't karma, I don't know. Like, you know it was like, That's it weird. was like, who, who but me moves into a house and has to deal with Limp Biscuit and Corn when they were in? You know, it was right, like, right. Fucking, was there like, the, funny. was there an audible sound of like a record scratch? And then everyone like look at you when you walked in. <laughs> it was awkward for a while. Then they were just like, "Oh, I guess you're gonna be not." I don't know. Like you know, they were all like, 
little standoffish at first, but, you know, tried to, like, warm up the, the party as best I could, I guess. <laughs> wow. <laughs> on some like, stone well, roses. living here for a while. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you gotta, gotta deal with it, you know? Well, and it seems like, I don't know, I, I, I read that that article that was, that was going around about West Borland, where it just seems like he was, like, sort of deeply conflicted about, you know, what the music that had, the, the biscuit hath wrath on the world, but also sort of, like, acted like it was something that happened to him, too. And it's like, well, you had a choice That's in this, That's what I man. always don't get about that guy. It's like, hey, well, don't cash the checks if you don't want to be in the band, bro. It's not like anyone's putting a gun to your head. Right. Like, I don't ever, I mean, he's a nice guy. Don't get me wrong. He's super nice. Like, almost, like, too nice. Him and David Navarro are, like, the same guy. They're just, like, really nice, and you don't want to make fun of him after you meet him because you're like, oh, I feel bad now. You know, right, right. But at the same time, he's like a free pass. Like everyone's like, he's the weird, cool guy in Limp Biscuit. Like he's still in Limp Biscuit, dude. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Totally. You know, it's like he's it's... a really good Nazi. You know. <laughs> yeah, it's still a musical war crime. You know, it... it's like, yeah, exactly. That's how I feel about it. It's like there's no good Nazis, dude. Sorry. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> oh snap. You know. <laughs> but yeah, I was kind of bummed because like I hit him up like two months before that and uh, asked him to do an interview with me, and he wouldn't do one. And then I was like, "What? You go to Stereo Gum? Like the fucking G-rated version of me? Like, give me a break!" Yeah, yeah, I thought that was that was it was interesting. But you know, politics. It is what it is. That's uh, cool, dude. If Thirty more people think you're cool now. Whatever. <laughs> I would have done a better interview, but. Right, exactly. Well, and I, I would, God, I would, I would read the hell out of that. I mean, like, what does that even like? You know, what does that conversation look like? Because it could go, you know, multiple ways. Especially if you're saying, like, as you said, if the guy is, you know, legitimately pretty nice guy. But of course, it's going to be guarded and defensive. I would, and, just, dude. First question would be like, what t-shirts is Fred Durst wearing lately? Is he still trying to wear like Smith shirts and Joy Division shirts? Or <laughs> you know, like, is he finally wearing like corrosion of conformity shirts again? Or, like. like that's what I would want to focus on. It's like, what's going on in that world? Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. What does that world look like? What is the sky color in that world? <laughs> yeah, paint a picture for us, please. <laughs> Practice, like. <laughs> All right, I think when we do uh, did for the Nookie this time, we should slow it down a little bit on this verse so I can uh, throw some hands at the audience. I think that would be good. <laughs> Yeah, so so you got a lot of uh, you know, a lot of cool experiences and, and, and great contacts. So you're you're going to be doing some writing that's got a different voice that's not in the Buddyhead voice going forward. Uh, yeah, it probably won't come out until next year because I'm trying to finish it by summer. And in the book world, from what I hear, it takes about six months to come out. So it'll be out like next year. It's just like a it's my first kind of dab at writing a book, which is way harder than I thought it is, but. I'm yeah. at the point now where I, I can see the finish line. Like, when I started, I was like, I can't finish this. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's, I'll tell you, it's way harder than I thought it would be, but it's been cool because I'm kind of getting toward the end of things, and that that's cool. So, so yeah, I'm excited about that, but um, kind of excited about Buddy Head Tube, and, you know, got some new people writing for it, and we got some records coming out, and it's kind of picking up steam since last year. Like, I've been focusing on it since last year, and it's been slow but steady, but... Um, it's cool. Like, it's been fun more than anything because, like, for the first time in a while, like, it's kind of like a gang of people. And right. And it's more like, it's not just it's not just me, which is always great because I don't have to do all the work. And, you know, it's just fun kind of hanging out with people. It's more of like a gang mentality again, which is cool. So, 
been excited about the site again. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, just just a lot of lot of cool stuff kind of popping up, like a couple records coming out. And, yeah, why don't you talk a little yeah, more about, about like, that? There's like a. Future. I know you got some you got some stuff coming out um, that I'm going to say I'm mostly unfamiliar with, other than maybe knowing the names. But I, I, you got some you got some stuff coming. You're pretty stoked about it. You're talking. We were talking about that before. <clears throat> it had you on. Uh, what do you have? What do you have coming? Like, what's the what? what the, what's um, the deal well, with this music, man? Uh, well, there's a lot going on. I'm not necessarily putting these out, but I'm excited about these. Like, uh, my best friend Joe is in the Acres Line. Right. He's actually in New York right now recording a solo record with Mike Monsimano who did like he did the Acres Line's second record Penitentiary it's like their major label record so that's cool and then he actually already has a Acres Line record in the bag which I think is the best record he's ever done and that comes out like in a couple months finally like they recorded it last year and that's really great it's cool it's got like all these like kind of different emotions like there's like a slow song and like it's all these like doesn't really sound like it's great it's really cool I think people will be surprised that's, that's happening and then let's see I just put out a Howl single, which is a Christian Stone. He's actually one of my best friends from Los Angeles. He was in a band called the Campfire Girls in the 90s. And they got a bunch of money and blew it all on heroin. And, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, that, that, <laughs> it, it isn't funny, but it is funny, Google you know? It. Google it. <laughs> they got like a huge advance and like sold their whole studio for heroin. But anyway, he's not on that stuff anymore. And he's got a new band called Howl's and I'm putting their stuff out. I put out a record by them last year. And I just put out a single called White Noise and put out a single by this band from Florida um, called Heavy Drag. And we put out a two-song single. It's their first two songs. Uh, single's called LSD. So that's cool. They used to be a band called Little Daggers, and they're kind of known them for a while. They're from Florida. so From where in Florida? Oh, no kidding. Brenna's from Florida, actually. <laughs> I'm from Gainesville. <laughs> Let me I'm just... sorry. <laughs> it's not that bad. <laughs> Gainesville's cool. <laughs> but I love no, I like Gainesville. Gainesville Gainesville is definitely the best place in Florida to be from, that's for sure. Yeah. I'm I'm proud to Florida is just intimidating. You know, it's so long and when you're on tour, it's just a lot of white people and Sure are. Yeah. It's so long, that's what somebody said. It's scary to tour there, you know, I don't know. There's a lot yeah. of weird stuff happening. Or Florida. There's it feels like other countries, you know. I've always kind of felt that. So here's how I feel about touring in the South. Because from my personal experiences, <laughs> that you've had, like, you either have the most awesome people in the world, like they're just this awesome, like, total iconoclast, like, rad freak rocker in this weird environment kind of thing. Or, yeah. Or you actually do have, like, some of those stereotypes. Like, it's not deliverance, but there's definitely, like... <laughs> it's not deliverance, but it's kind of like it's deliverance. It's a little deliverance. It's, there's a lot of intolerance. There's a lot of just, like, oh, okay, you've never been... Been outside no, your there's county. No, like middle ground. There's no middle yeah, ground. It's okay. one or the other. These are like That's true. I'll agree with that. Or uber cool. Although <laughs> I must say that I've seen more like Nazi racist things happening in Northern California than I ever did in parts of yeah, Florida. That's a bummer. I must say. That's a major bummer. It's really weird. It's really weird. And I was like, why does no one else seem to notice this is happening? Well, I mean, I'm from, you know, I grew up in Modesto. And, you know, again, it was it was definitely a lot of, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of, like, shaved head, shirtless dudes running around in trucks, like, yelling With, at like, people. With, like, a rebel flag yeah, flying There's a lot of that back. going on. It's, it's like, really dude, weird. Like I, like, I was like, I'm 15, and I know that you are bullshit. <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, you know, Rocky Punk's fuck off. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Basically. It's yeah, it's really weird. There's like a whole lot of that in Sonoma County, actually, which is really strange. That's very odd. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what to say. But I must oh say, I've never been more frightened in a place than when I was in Mobile, Alabama. That's one of the scariest cities I've ever been in. Really? <laughs> Mobile is weird. Hmm. All right, you heard it here first. Kind of scary. There's like the there's like that kind of scary, and then there's like Detroit scary, like wrong exit, like cars on fire. You know? Yeah, I've, <laughs> right. I, haven't, I haven't been to Detroit. I've heard things. Detroit and DC, I've been to those, and those are scary as fuck, man. You get up on the wrong exit, and there's like you ain't supposed to be around here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, shit, let's get out of here. And again, the people like, I know that the, people I know that are doing things in uh, in Detroit and whatnot, like they are like really awesome, and they like are totally like full lifers and like doing cool stuff but yeah there is just like that is a city that is just seen Dude, harsh times. I, I, I love people from Detroit I wish I could live there you know they give you like if you're like an artist they give you like a free house now yeah what? I heard about that it's freaking nuts there's like yeah. a program for like writers like if you're a writer and you just want to write they'll give you like a free house in Detroit which is like kind of crazy cool. like yeah, yeah. That's... can't say I didn't think about it for a second I was gonna say Travis are you uh, telling us <laughs> you're moving to Detroit now what's going on <laughs> no, I don't think I can handle it. I mean, no, it's I just some snow and weirdness. It'd be cool if you could get like a gang of people to move. That would be cool, you know. Like, you can't all get houses in Detroit. Detroit right. is <laughs> the new LA. <laughs> Let's yeah. get that to work. I'm sure the Detroit Chamber of Commerce, if they're not busy dodging gunplay, will uh, <laughs> be fully on board with that message. Yeah, you gotta root for any band from Detroit because it's just like, oh, you guys are from Detroit. That's rad. Right, exactly. Yeah, you're like, oh man, okay, you guys, you, you guys made are it legit. Here. Yeah. <laughs> Unless it's like the Von Bondies. Are they from Detroit? Fuck that band. Yeah. Are they? Von Bondies. Are they? I haven't thought about that band in a long time. Um, yeah, me either. But I think they're from Detroit. I'm not rooting for them. No, certainly not. Yeah, you're right. Detroit, <laughs> Michigan. Man. Am I right? All right, learn something new every day here just on Protonic like, Reversal. Just like a steel trap, your mind. So we have uh, uh, Michael Rappaport is the voice of the Pound Puppies in the Pound Puppies series. And the Von Bondies are a band from Detroit. All right. It's about as equally as obscure. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Your knowledge. We do have fun So uh, what's the deal with Natalie and Brulia? Did you ever feel afraid she might come after you? <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's so funny because I've been, like, I got this hard drive working and it's basically got, like, all this old buddy head stuff and all my photography and I just hadn't had it for a while and so I, I got it. And, um, yeah, I've been going through all this old buddy head stuff and I kind of forgot about, like, all, like, I was reading the letters and there's, like, one from Natalie Imbruglio about how she's on our email list. <laughs> I read that. Her off. And she kept writing us back and I forgot about that. Like, there was a lot of exchanges like that between, like, people that you would, like, never think that would be you know like know about buddy head or whatever right, right. like that was what was funny is like you'd write about someone and they'd like respond to it you know i, like, know. I read that and i was Whoa, like really actually, like actually sir that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well tell it seemed like the the two uh media outlets if you will that seemed to like get that the most were uh yourselves buddy head and uh chunklet seemed like there's a lot of people that just wanted to answer back or like well actually uh, you yeah. know the details here are a little, you know, as if anyone cares, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, it was always kind of it's, it's kind of interesting to see how that was. Like, it, it was weird to see the line that you guys walked 
with that because it was. <laughs> if, I kept being like, I, I can't believe because I kept, I kind of was there from the beginning. Oh, no big deal. I was there from the beginning, and I got to see it grow and kind of be this thing that uh, you know, it, yeah, major media people kind of were paying attention to, and they never would like. It seems like they would never attribute stuff to you, though. It seems like they would always kind of like, well. Some sources have said, and they'd have some information. It's like, yeah, some sources. Come on, we all know where that came yeah, from. Yeah, no one wants us to win. No, no, no one, no one wants to give us credit for anything. It's so true. <laughs> well, it was this. I mean, was was that just me? Did you find that that was happening a lot too? Because it seemed like uh, that's what it seemed like to me. Like I was hopefully not. No, just no, I totally feel that way. But I mean, you gotta understand. I mean, there's a lot of things like. No one wants to hire me in the music industry. You know, no one wants us to win. But, I mean, you got to realize, like, we spent, like, 10 years being like, suck our dicks, you're wrong, you know, to, like, everybody. So it's like, right. you know, I'm sure something we said offended pretty much, you know. Anyone that's, like, a little, like, pussyfooted is, like, bummed out by us, you know. It's like, was personally offended. There's a lot of personally offended people, so, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's understandable, you, I guess. You know, we didn't really take, like, the pitchfork approach where it was like, oh, we'll all get cars and houses. It was like... You know, this is really funny. Let's keep doing this until everyone's bummed, you know? It was a kind of a, I would say, like a more take no prisoners sort of comedy. I would say. Yeah, it was more like, you know, Richard Pryor and Andy Kaufman, you know? Speaking truth to power, you know, many, like, many a truth a told in jest. like testing your audience, you know? Like, you know. Well, and, you know, I, I don't know. I always find that inspiring. Like, I think that's, I mean, gosh, I've, I've lost track of all the trash I've talked on this show about... <laughs> About certain bands and things, then then I'll get like an email over the transom once in a while about something like from shows like you know forever ago, and I'm like, wait, who said that? I'm like you did. I'm like, oh, well, I'm not wrong. That's the worst. <laughs> that happens to me all the time. You're not wrong. Like, yeah, you, you're, you get my record a really bad review, and I'm like, I've never heard your record. And then they'll like pull it up and be like, right here, and be like, wow, I did review that, and I am an idiot. You know, it's like <laughs> yeah, totally. It's like so many things I'll like read of old stuff. I mean, some of it's way better than I remember, but some some of it's like yikes. You know, like, but I mean, that's, you know, I'm 37 now. That's, I think that's part of, like, being in your early 20s or, or even late 20s or early 30s. Like, whatever. Like, a lot totally. of I read them, it's like, wow, I was really 22 years old there. Just not very smart. Well, I, thinking I was. And it makes sense because actually you and I are the same age. And I, I've actually had that, that same reaction. Like, like, at the time when, you know, I was reviewing. It's so funny. Oh, go like you go from thinking you know everything to like now I'm pretty sure I don't know much at all. You know, <laughs> right? Like the older you get, the more you know that you don't know everything, yeah. and there's more to know. <laughs> and and yeah, like, like before, I was just like dead. I was like there wasn't a you know a doubt in my mind I was right. You know, I was like now I'm a little more cautious about what I say. Not that much cautious, but you know, a little more, a little more, slightly more, incrementally. You at least have to really stand behind shit before you, <clears throat> you know start spouting off. Well, and I've, I've talked about this on the, on the on the show before, but back when I was reviewing zines, uh, review music for zines, like, I was so burnt out at one point that, like, I, I reviewed McCluskey and I gave him a terrible review. I, like, totally panned the record. And then, like, I, you know, six months later, I listened back to it and I was like, ugh, I was completely wrong. I'm an idiot. Like, I, got, I gotta cut I this out. Before. I, I mean, this is, like, probably a bad example, but, like, when the Strokes first record came out, like, we were, like, fuck these guys because they were like on the cover of every magazine right. they were like the same age as us and we were like they're posters sounds like Tom Petty but now like when I listen to that record it's a pretty good record you know <laughs> like I can't hate it like if it comes on and I had a, I've had a couple beers like uh, keep it on whatever you right. know it's like it's like dumb party music or whatever but better than most things but I, that's like kind of an example like I remember when it came out I was like this is 
crap. You know, it's like that's eh, not that bad, especially compared to their later records. <laughs> well, and I think, and I think, right, totally. <laughs> and I think you're you're on point with that too, because it's sort of like the way that was presented. Uh, with the way it was just utterly ubiquitous, it was everywhere at once, all the time, and you're like, "What? What is this?" It was so this? crazy for like a year before the record came out. It right. was like they were like on the cover of like like Vogue and I want to say or like W, like weird yeah. crazy fashion magazines. And then it's like, like they were just like, "We're skinny and drinking beer." Right. Like, Whoa, dude. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's, it's for me, it was so it was so jacked up because it's like I'm coming from the world of. You know, you you tour and you put out records because it's what you do, and like you know how you like when you wake up in the morning, that's like what drives you to to you know keep keep living and breathing. And then you see these kids, and I hate to turn class into it, but they're rich kids. They were rich kids that like had all this money behind. Like who are the these freaking guys? It, you know, it was like you just don't need this. Like you don't even need it to get laid. Like your dad owns like the biggest modeling agency in the world. Like what's right. the point of all this? Yeah, that's never gonna go away though. That's really frustrating. no, and that's. I mean that's always gonna be the thing. but then yeah ultimately you can divorce it from the oh, hype yeah, later on. Go away. I mean, hello, Mumford Sons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh, gross. Fourth wave folk. King, Kings of Leon. You know, yeah. Same thing. Ugh, yeah. They had the KKK guy. What? <laughs> what? Really? Wait, he's what? He's like a preacher. Like from he's like a KKK member. He's like a preacher. The dad. What? Really? What? That's crazy. Dude, Google it. Look it up. It's a fact. I didn't know that. Oh man, yeah. Kings of Leon well, KKK. I don't, like, right. I don't think they like advertise it. Probably you know? <laughs> <laughs> not. That's probably but not. I'm pretty sure it's true. Wow. If not, I wish it was. Yeah, you're gonna okay. make it I'll, true I'll, right I'll, now. Just, I, I could think we'll spread some scurious rumors. <laughs> you sure, heard it not? first here. Is it, it's, wait, I mean, is, if you Google it, it'll definitely come up that I wrote that. So <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, it does come up. Yeah, it does we come up. Googled yeah, I'm, I'm reading it right now. Uh, <clears throat> Kings of Leon are America's hottest band, according to Rolling Stone. Weird, considering they just ran a story a few months ago with their singer crying about how he's sick of not being big in America. Hey, dude, we're sick of you not pulling the e-brake on your creative output, a.k.a. dog shit. So do everyone <laughs> a favor and shut the fuck up, man. Also, tell your KK preacher freak dad to eat a fat dick, too. Yes, their dad was really in the KKK. So. Wow, <laughs> it's, it's, it's true. It's a verified source. We're reporting it now. <laughs> found well, on the internet. Some some guy, me, some buddy head site. <laughs> I must say, I found uh, Steve Gunn through your 2014 best of list, and I'm pretty appreciative of that because he's great. Oh, that's a good record, right? Yeah, it's a really good record. I actually like went out and bought it right away on vinyl because I was like, I need to own this. This is really good. Yeah, like, uh, just uh, I I decided to do a best of list like a week into January. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> I'm gonna be bummed in like a year from now if I didn't do one. So I did it, and I had to like cram for the test. And like, I found Steve Dunn like two days before I wrote it. Oh, nice! Like this record is fucking great. It is really. I listened to it like over and over. It's really great. It's a good list yeah, it's too. A good record. That's. A, I mean, Wait, like, I don't like his his other band that he was from. What's that band? Kurt Vile. <clears throat> Yeah, that guy's a douche. <laughs> Why do you say that? I don't know anything about him. I'm just curious. Um, I, I I had to like hang out with him. I probably shouldn't say this, but whatever. He was a douche. Um, I hung out with him like they had like fuck yeah fest, and my friends were in that band Warpaint, and they're like buddies with him. Oh yeah, I like Warpaint. And we all ended up like in the same car, and he was just 
just one of those people that like wants you to like thinks everything he says is like the funniest thing and like you don't laugh he's like vibe you I don't know like he's very used to being the center of attention you know yeah yeah I can I can see yeah. that just from I don't know persona album artwork or something right right well, I don't know that's interesting because sorry aside from all that I just wasn't I saw him play I wasn't into it like I don't know just wasn't really that into it so I was surprised I liked Steve Gunn because I was like oh Lord, he's from that band weird but. Well, that I mean, a lot of his bandmates did solo stuff, like the War on Drugs and whatever that ended up getting into fights with yeah, Mark more like the w- More like the War on My Patients. <laughs> <laughs> well, did you hear about that thing where you? Yeah, into yeah, a fight and it's with- like all right, it, all right. Here's your headline: Boring white dudes fight each other. Yeah, it's true. Are we good? All right. Yeah, I mean, I like Mark Hotzik, but like, I don't want to listen to his music. Like, it's it's fun. Like the ACDC record, brilliant. That was that was, hats off. That was. Who are we awesome. talking about? Mark Kozalek. Uh, I don't know much about that guy. He's grumpy, though. I heard he's like, a. Got some Kill Moon. I'm not really a fan. Yeah. It's okay. Sounds he, like uh, what's that band with the Get Up Kid in it now? Spoon. Sounds like Spoon. <laughs> so the one thing I will give credit for is he made he made this record that was. Uh, ACDC songs done like acoustic style and like really really what good. Song? Uh, bon Scott era ACDC like uh, really like super legit. It's called what the hell is that called? That's a while ago he did this, but I thought that that's, was yeah, really but that's good. like cheating. How do you fuck up an ACDC song? It's already perfect. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Agreed. You know, it's like yeah, like even like a bad record. It's like you know they got a good song. It's like lowest common denominator. Yeah. Well, I thought I thought he did a good job with that, but mostly like his music, Red House Painters, also stuff. Some it's not. You know, it's, it's fine. It's it's pleasant enough background music, I suppose. But who cares? I find it to be pretty. Um, it's like monotone. I don't know. It just doesn't change. I have much. a soft spot in my heart for like some weirdly bad ACC records because I have a friend that's like. He was like his favorite band with like social distortion and like ACDC. He was like a motorcycle, like greaser type dude, you know, like outsiders, like read the outsiders to the kid, and that yeah. was like his thing. Yeah, you know, but he was red. But we took mushrooms one night, and he acted out and lip synced and played guitar along to the whole record of for those about to rock. Wow. Cannon burst and shit, and Holy like shit. it was literally like one of the funniest things I've ever seen. So <laughs> I got like a soft spot in my heart for that record for that reason, just because like yeah, I yeah. Saw and I can see him, and I was like trying my balls on mushrooms, and he just like with my entertainment, it was great. <laughs> I mean, that's a that's actually a pretty decent record. I mean, it's no Powerage, but it's it's you know that's a yeah yeah it's, it's no legit. No, they got a lot. I like I really like the live fucking seventy three or seventy five. Yeah, uh, if you want blood. Sick. Yeah. Break opens it. That record's sick. Yeah. So yeah, good. I like I like a lot of ACDC records. Yeah, yeah. they're great. My friend, and, and my me- friend Uncle Scott. I should give him credit. Friend Uncle Scott. Yeah, I, I do too, and I think even like like the bad ones like you're talking about, like there's a bunch of like really terrible records, but there's at least one or two good songs in all of them. I think you can make one really good comp out of like the latter day ACDC albums, and it would be pretty legit. You know, mm-hmm. you'd have some some good stuff on there. Starting with I've Got yeah. Big Balls. <laughs> That's on. I mean, my, my favorite quote. One of my ACDC has one of my favorite quotes ever. Like they asked, like. My, see, I've watched all this shit. Like, my friend maybe watched, like, the making of Back in Black, and there's, like, an interview. It's like, what's the one guitar player? I, Ang- Angus and Malcolm. They interview Malcolm, and they're like, how come you never solo? And he's like, kicks in the way of me drinking. Amazing. I actually used to use that when I DJ. People would be like, why aren't you playing vinyl? And I'd be like, kicks in the way of me drinking. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. You know, like, just, like, leave me 
alone. Like, that guy's crazy. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. That's great. Oh man. Uh, hey Travis, this has been it's been so great talking to you, man. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Yeah, yeah, man. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. You yeah. woke me up, that's for sure. Yeah, that's yeah, as you say. You sound plenty awake Anytime, now. Anytime, man. I love talking about myself. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I'm good at it. If folks want to know more, uh, buddyhead.com, uh, right? Is there any other? I, I know you're on Twitter. I, I, that's me. You're, you're one yeah, of like seven people I talk to and uh, read regularly on Twitter. So thank you for that. <laughs> we're, we're buddies. Yeah. We're all my friends. And um, you know, look for this book that's that you're doing. I guess you know, in, in a while. Well, do you know what that's going to be called yet? Do you have any ideas, or are you still working that out? What's that? This book you're doing? Yeah. What's it, what are you going to call I it? I didn't hear what you asked. Oh, what what are you going to call it? The name? What are you going to call it? Oh, right now it's called On the Lash, which is a it's a it's an Australian term for like going off, like drinking. You know, oh, okay. Like going on a bender. Nice. It's also a Nickers line song, but. It, it was like a we called like one of our tours the on the lash tour and I, I always thought it was a cool thing so and it kind of fits the book so that's what it's called right now uh, I don't well, know if it'll stick or not but that's what that's what I'm going that's the that's the working title well well I hope when it's done if not before you will come back on the show and we will uh, talk some more how about that yeah that'd be fun man I'd be really into that Brad man thanks so much hey, for are you guys gonna play Shat or what uh, <laughs> we'll definitely we'll, we will we sure which which song are we when, are we playing. Play some chat on the show. Yeah, why not? I'm curious what you picked. What'd you pick? Uh, you know, I was There's gonna play. To pick from. I'll tell you what. I'm gonna play uh, that that how the white noise that howls song first, and we'll we'll play some chat right afterwards, and I'll be a jar in transition. <laughs> I recommend. Uh, I recommend if you have it. If she has a kid, you know she fucks. Okay. That, that's a hit. Sounds good, man. Sounds a little like Alice in Chains, you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, brother. Take anyway, care and. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you later. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you. There he goes. Travis Keller. Good dude, man. That's uh, That guy's got stories for days. He's uh-huh. a, he's a talent, talented trash talker and uh, soul of rock and roll there. So uh, let's, hear, uh, let's hear White Noise. This is Howls. A little something like this.
All right, there's some chat for you. That is not what I meant to play, but uh, that is band whore, uh, which is uh, more, one of the more erudite chat topics for sure. Uh, we could also hear uh, Fat Ho if you felt so inclined. Um, do you, you want to go for it? I got I got a live rendition. I want to hear the ice bucket challenge. Oh, we can do the Fucking ice bucket challenge. Dildos and my balls out would impress you guys, but now I got to actually perform and shit. Thanks a lot. Shut up. <laughs> I saw you five years ago and you suck just as bad. <laughs> oh, I suck even worse now, motherfucker. Yeah. We practice sucking. At least. <laughs> At least. Nice dildo. There's a lot going on here. <laughs> They're pretty nice. Can I borrow one? You need it, huh? <laughs> You're two. I might need three. <laughs> three. <laughs> she used my elbow. <laughs> the elbow's like an awl. It starts, starts real soft and goes real thick real quick and splits her vagina in four. Yeah. No one knows what an all is. Actually, I do. There's a lot of talking in this. Yeah. Yeah. Like a beard and soft like press and nobody chops wood here. It's a talking situation. It's more like a chat spoken word. Oh, I just pray someone to hear that. Hey, buddy. You know what? Okay, that's fine. But if we're gonna run out of time, I, I want to uh, I want to get the ice bucket challenge. Hey, everybody! It's your boy Filthy Frank. Oh, uh, no, Filthy Frank can go to hell. I don't want you, Filthy Frank. <laughs> Damn. I'm sure Filthy Frank gets that a lot, by the way. <clears throat> oh, yeah, we got a caller. Go, oh, you're on the air. Hey, what's up, Conan? It's John Williams. Hey, John, what's happening, buddy? I gotta get off my floor. The guy jackhammering. Literally right outside my house. <laughs> That's <laughs> messed up. That. That, that is messed up, uh, no. Um, you guys were talking about uh, Steel Wheels, and I went to the Steel Wheels tour. It was freaking awesome in 1989. They were great. And first of all, Dancing in the Street is Mick Jagger's solo. It's not the Rolling Stones. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. There, there's a lot I of prancing about, though. There's a lot of prancing. I came out in 85, and Steel Wheels, I think, is 89. So that's when the tour was. And then, actually, Mixed Emotions is a decent jam. The first track on that record. You know, I, I'm going to say I haven't given a lot of uh, attention, really, to that era of the Stones. Like, Nor I, should you. <laughs> Nor should you. I mean... I would, I would like to, for a moment, defend the one song, Mixed Emotions, and maybe even the other single, Rock in a Hard Place. So they both suffer from that 80s production. Yeah. Oh, the reverb pro- on the vocals and horns for no reason. Yeah, the production is just... Atrocious, and there's that terrible, uh, yeah, like there's all those unemployed horn players after that era of music was done that were in the you know the soup lines, they couldn't get any work. <laughs> you gotta, when you get home, when you get home, watch. So, mixed emotions for you. Guess it's after Mr. John Houlihan. Yeah. Are you watching the video right now? Are we what now? Sorry, I'm. <laughs> there's a weird thing in the video. The video is just like. Them in the studio, like these black and white shots. Yeah, yeah. And then for no for no reason, there's Mick Jagger in like James Bond the workout clothes. That keep <laughs> <laughs> oh man! And it's like bright, like teal and yellow. It's, it's, it's so bizarre that the, the video is basically just like studio shots. And then there's him by himself, like in a workout studio, shaking his butt and leaning like a leotard. For like no real reason whatsoever. It's immediately discernible. <laughs> 
That's all I want to say. It was a great interview. Uh, that guy's guy good. Yeah, that guy's uh, Tra- Travis is a good dude, man. That guy, that guy's done it all. He's a he's a hell of a dude. Yeah, I want to meet him. I'm sorry. What was that, John? I was. I think we were talking over you. Oh, I said I love hearing uh, any stories about Link Biscuit. I'm, I'm a junkie for that stuff. Oh man, it's it's crazy that like you know he's like Fred Durst saying he's gonna hire people to kill him and stuff. I mean that's I remember when that was happening. <laughs> being, like honestly, being kind of like oh, maybe they should be hiring some security or something. I don't know. <laughs> that guy might be serious. <laughs> but it is like the back the backwards hat wearing Fred Durst motherfucker. So who knows? Yeah. His uh, take on uh, West, West Portland is great. So, I, I thought so, too. Yeah, like that guy a lot. Uh, hey, John, uh, we got it, got in the show here, so uh, good, uh, good talking right, to you, man. man. Uh, listen to Live okay. from the Barrage Friday nights, uh, 5 Pacific, and uh, livefromthebarrage.com for that. All right, man, good show. Take care. All right, brother, take care. Action-packed show, man. We got, we got a lot going on in this uh, mm-hmm. on this show. <clears throat> mixed emotions, rolling stones, baby. Ow! Oh, it's time to end this. Moving on. Moving on. Uh, all right, all right. That's enough. That's enough show. That's enough. It's enough Rolling Stones. That's enough workout gear. That's enough. It's uh, enough of all this. I've had enough. I've had enough. So we're done here. What a show! Hey, thanks for listening. Uh, this has been a good, this has been a pretty good time. Uh, mm-hmm. Travis Keller, uh, great dude. Buddyhead.com, all things Buddyhead. He's all over Twitter. He's an entertaining dude. He's one of my favorite Twitter dudes. Eventful show. Yeah. You know, now you know the secret that I've been carrying in my heart for like five months. I know what the hell, Conan. Rad things to come. So that's Kona Neutron, the secret friends, neutronfriends.com. Is this thing on? Neutronfriends.bandcamp.com to hear my jams with Dale Crover on drums. This is Protonic Reversal, and we thank you for listening. We do this show every Thursday, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m., only on Radio Valencia. RadioNeutron.com for the podcasts. For the blogs of the show that showed what we played and what was spoken about. Uh, Upgrade the show on iTunes. If you do that, we appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, stuff. Thanks. <laughs> Anything else? Mr. And Mrs. I think we have the blind shake on next week. Cool. So that'll be, that'll be good. Cool. Next hey, time I go to LA, I'm going to... Look I up wanna, Travis Keller. I want to meet that guy. Yeah. it's a good dude. Hey, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, Tom McBongos is up next. I've got... Take care. 50,000 watts of power. Electricity. Can you hear me now? Out on.
128, dark and lonely. I got my radio on. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? to my top 10. I'd like to thank our sponsor. But we haven't got a sponsor. Not if you were the last man on earth. She was prepared to prove it. This one goes out to a special girl. There is no special girl! It's the, it's the end of radio. The last announcer plays the last record. The last what? Leaves the transmitter. Circles the globe in search of a listener. Can you hear me now? if there's no one there to receive. It's the end of radio. As we come to the close of our broadcast day, 
radio. See?